Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Get your Bibles out today, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We went to a couple churches while we were gone, and the pastors put the text on the screen. I know a lot of pastors do that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I always don't put the passage on the screen, the initial passage, because I want you to stay in the habit, even if it's an electronic device, of bringing your Bibles and learning to turn to that and not have everything spoon-fed to us. Can I say that? Okay. So let's be people of the Word, and let's know where to find stuff in our Word. So the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, we'll start in verse 32 in a minute. But um, most of us in this group, in this room, are going through a study called Rooted that we've been at for, uh, I think this is the start of our fifth week. And, um, and uh, if you're not involved, I just want to say don't worry because we're going to offer it again in the spring quarter and you'll have another chance to go through it. But, but uh, we went through a subject about a week ago, I think it was, that was uh, about suffering. And I want to go back, if I may, this morning and touch on that subject and I want to use this passage in Hebrews as kind of a launching point to think through this subject of suffering. So let's pick it up in verse 32, Hebrews 11 from the NIV. It reads, And what more shall we say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Simpson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets. And this is where, where you just see the... These are the good stories of the Bible right here. Who through faith they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I mean, this is a good list, is it not? And isn't that exciting to think about? And, you, and you, can, you can, almost as you're reading it, you're thinking of those characters. Oh, there's Daniel. Oh, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, there's the woman whose son died and Jesus said, no, he's going to live. I mean, you, just get, you get it all and it's just all happening. But, but mid-sentence where there's this break and then this, we start reading stuff that, you know, it's like we should, if I had been writing this, I would have at least written it out of order so we could have ended on a happy note. That would have been me. But, but, but check this out. It says there were others who were tortured. What? We were talking happy talk here, you know? Why do we suddenly have to turn that corner? Refusing to be released. Did you catch that? Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. In verse 40, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. We're going to read the rest of the text at the end, which is going to take us through the first three verses, but so don't, don't let your Bible get too far from you. But I want to talk to you today about this, this topic of where is God in the midst of suffering? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us in the worship today. We felt and we still feel your presence in this room. Thank you for the word of, of, uh, that we heard of, of uh, encouragement, but also at the same time of challenge to not become complacent in our faith, not to rest on our laurels, so to speak, but to really understand that you are constantly calling us to a deeper place. And God, thank you for this word that we are looking at this morning. Speak to us through it as we go through in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, many of you have asked, and uh, if you're, this is your first time here or you haven't been here in a while, uh, Rhonda and I just got back from a two-week vacation. I don't apologize for that one little bit. Um, 
I was really happy to get away. We went down to Southern California around the San Diego area for most of it and uh, had a wonderful time. And one of my goals was to escape the cold weather. You might ask, how's that working out for you? So <laughs> I decided I'm not going outside again until the temperature gets above my age, okay? <laughs> That's, I, I'm done with that. <laughs> no more. So <laughs> I think that works pretty good. You know, the older you get, just like, yeah, yeah, just, just keep, it, keep it up there somewhere. But. And here's something I don't understand about cold. I go out in my garage yesterday. There's the, the, the ice on our cars or the snow had melted, and, and then it had formed ice in our, inside our garage. Our garage was that cold. And I go over to, we have a downstairs refrigerator. I, I look at the refrigerator, and it's running. And I'm thinking, why? <laughs> you know, why is this running? Do you not understand it's colder in this garage? Than, like, what you, maybe it's heating the food back up. From, so it doesn't, I don't know. It's just kind of weird for me. But anyway, really glad to get into some warm weather for a while. The first week we were in California, it was in the uh, low 70s. It was very, very nice. We watched some professional golf, which we'd never done before. That was super fun. And with, then we played some golf. We walked on the beach a little bit. Um, and ate some really great food. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw a hamburger that you were very jealous of, and so I make no apologies for that either. But, but uh, so then, toward the end of our trip, though, the last few days, it began to rain, and it began to rain hard. I mean, California, they, 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 I don't think, they, like we don't, sometimes in Seattle, they don't know what to do with snow. I don't think Southern California people understand what to do in the rain, and it was just coming down, and the freeways were a mess, and, and uh, so that was not much fun, but so one day, Rhonda says, well, since it's raining today, let's go to a movie. I said, sure, let's go to a movie. So she picked out the movie she wanted to go to. I said, that sounds great. So we go up to the counter. I've got my credit a card in my hand to pay, and uh, which, by the way, we pay off every month, hallelujah, you know, we don't, got to always say that, <laughs> but anyway, so, so I had my credit card in my hand to pay, and the guy says, okay, that'll be he, two tickets to this movie, that'll be 36 bucks, and I just hand him my card, and I'm kind of stunned, you know, it's just kind of like, did he, did he say 36 bucks? I must have missed Are you offering steak dinner with that or what? You know, I could not believe it. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. Well, she had picked one of these theaters that has these reclining seats. And we're, oh, it was very nice. But, but I, you know, I just felt like we did not get our money's worth out of that. But it was still a lot of fun anyway. But anyway, about a week ago today, this morning, uh, a week ago, we, we went to church, by the way, the two weeks we were gone. We don't goof off like some of you people do. I'm just kidding. But uh, no, we, we love God. Just kidding. We went to church, and we had a great time at both of these churches. But the, a week ago, we were on our way, and we had a rather long drive to the church we were going to. And so I, I thought, well, I just want to get some coffee for the road, and I just wanted to make it convenient and quick. And, and I just thought, I'm just going to go to McDonald's. It just was right there. So we pulled off. I go to this McDonald's, and it is just pouring out. And it's early in the morning, so it's kind of dingy outside. And as you can tell, I have no hair on my head, and I don't usually wear a hat to church like some people do. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, told, I told him he could... I, to, I know, I told him he could wear the cap to church. I have no problem with that. Anyway, it was just a joke. Okay, so... <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, I'm running out of the car, and I kind of got my head ducked down, but I'm, I'm just like, rain is falling in my face and on my head, and I'm not enjoying this moment. I'm running kind of, well, as much as a 60-year-old guy runs, I'm running across the parking lot, and I just didn't see it. And suddenly, I tripped over uh, uh, something that was in the parking lot, and I sprawled out and fell right in a mud puddle in the drive-thru lane. Oh, 
and I hit hard. I mean, bam. And then, uh, and, and, you know, again, when you're younger, you can get away with that. But when you're like me, it's like, oh, that was not fun at all. And so I, I get up and I'm like, and I'm, uh, it was funny in that moment how much your mind can think in a moment while you're flying through the air. I'm thinking, this is going to hurt. <laughs> anyway, so I'm flying through the air and I smack down. And, but also at the same time, I'm aware that there's a woman standing by the door who's a homeless woman asking for, for money from people as they're walking in. All this is going through my mind and I slam down and it hurts so bad. And I, I actually uh, made a hole in my pants and my knee was bleeding and it was just, just a bad moment, you know. And so I, I get up real quick, kind of embarrassed, but also like kind of stunned by the moment. And this homeless woman at Sarah looks at me and says, are you all right? She's just like really concerned. I said, yeah, I think so. And I, I'm thinking, man, I, my knee really hurts and my toe on that foot hurts and both my hands hurt. And I, for some reason, my head hurt too. I don't know why. But anyway, it, I had a lot of pain in different areas of my life. And I was thinking, but I still want coffee. So <laughs> amen, right? I mean, there's just... <laughs> So I said, let's just get some coffee anyway. So I go in, and I order a large coffee and everything, and the, the homeless lady follows me in. And I'm like, listen, what's going on? She follows me in, and I'm there getting my coffee, and she says, she, says, she comes to me again. She says, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. And she's like, okay. And then she wanders off and starts asking people for money again. And then the third time it happens, after I got my coffee, she looks at me again, are you, still, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. She said, okay. And then she keeps asking people for money. And I thought, isn't that interesting? She didn't ask me for money, you know? And I think in that moment, she perceived my suffering worse than hers. Do you see what I'm saying? That she said, you know, like she was looking out for me in that moment. I thought that was a very fascinating moment for me to go through. And I, uh, you know, just, just, just helped me to kind of get some perspective on what was going on. And I think, I think uh, as we think about suffering, as this topic of suffering has come up and we've talked about it, there are many, many kinds of suffering, as you're well aware, in the world. And, and the first we might think of, and especially in my story just now, we might think of physical suffering. That is one that we all probably face at one time or another. When I was younger, uh, younger than, say, 35, um, if I had pain in my body, it was usually because I had worked hard lifting weights or working hard, and I thought that kind of pain was good. I kind of liked it. Does that make sense? Like, I thought, oh, yeah, that's the kind of pain you get when you're building muscle and you're, you're just feeling like you've exercised, you've done healthy things with your body. And that kind of pain never really bothered me. I always thought, that's cool. I'm glad I hurt, you know. I know that's weird, but that's how I felt about it. But, but sometime after 35, and some of you that are younger, I'm not, like, trying to curse you or anything, but I'm just saying sometime after 35, I would get up in the morning and think, man, I hurt, and there's just no good reason for it. You know, it just started, things just hurt, and I thought, well, that's not right. And as you get older, it's like more and more. And, um, and so um, later on in my life, past uh, probably some 15 years ago, I started feeling some numbness in my toes, and then uh, 12 years ago, I started getting pain in my back in a really weird spot, uh, and uh, talked to a lot of people, went to a lot of doctors, did a lot of therapy, did this and that, finally had a surgery that didn't help, thought they'd made a mistake on the first surgery, had another surgery that didn't help, and ultimately, I was left with this really bad back pain that's just constantly gnawing away at me. It never relents. It never gives up. I know I seem like a very cheerful kind of guy, but I, I'm also in a lot, a lot of pain all the time. I'm just being real with you. And I'm not, I'm not asking, well, go ahead and give me one. Ah, oh, that makes me feel better. Thanks. But I'm really not looking for that to say all this, but I'm just saying I understand what it means to go through and have constant physical pain. And, uh, and at some point, you know, in my own mind and heart, I had to decide that I'm just going to live my life. You know, I, I, you can complain, you can do, go to doctors, you can do all you want, and, and at some point you just say, 
I can't let this define me. I can't let this be the definition of who I am or what I am. I just got to keep on going on here. And, and in fact, and I've shared this before, but uh, uh, about two years ago, I was taking large quantities of uh, prescription painkillers, Oxycontin and Oxycodone both. I know there's a big stigma about all that, but I was taking it only according to the prescription. And uh, it wasn't, I had to keep taking more and more and more. The pain got worse. And finally, um, I got to the place where I just decided, I'm done. I'm not taking anymore. And I, I quit uh, in the end of 2016 taking any more of that. And actually, uh, amazingly, if you can imagine this, maybe it's my perception, but the pain level actually dropped in about half when I stopped taking pain medication. So I don't know what all that means. I'm just saying that's kind of the... the so when I talk about suffering in my body, I'm saying, oh man, I've, I've understood that. But then sometimes... I get an image or a picture or I'm told a story or I think about other people I've met on mission trips or other people I've known even in our own church that are, that are suffering far worse than me and then I try to put it in perspective and I think, well, shut your mouth, Sal. Right? There's just, I talk to myself sometimes about stuff and I just say, shut up about it, shut your mouth and realize how really good you have it. And, and it's a matter of perspective. And, and I think... I think um, I'm not minimizing anybody's pain out there when I say this. Believe me, I commiserate with you, but I'm just saying uh, there, there's physical pain. But sometimes we just have to decide, uh, I'm not going to let that define who I am. I'm going to move on, okay? Now, there's emotional suffering as well, which is another major category. And it's interesting to me how I see some people who go through something that doesn't seem that bad to me anyway, from an outside observer, but they act completely devastated. Think drama queen at this moment. Just insert that right there. You know what I'm saying? Somebody, am I, are you catching what I'm saying, right? They, it's like this little thing happens to them, and, you, and they just go off, and they're just like, my life is over. And I'm thinking, just chill, you know? It's not that bad. But then others go through horrific things in their lives, things that are un unimaginable, things I've never experienced. And somehow, by the grace of God, they rise up out of the ashes of that past. And boom, they're like, they're on fire for God. They're, they're ministering to other people. They didn't let, again, the emotional pain define them. And I think that's so fantastic when you see that. But listen, I'm not going to minimize the person who seems, in my mind at least, to be a drama queen because I understand also emotional pain in my life. When, when, and, and I don't talk about this too much with people, but, but, uh, but in, back in early 2013, I went through a really dark time in my life. I, I did, I, and uh, my family knows this, and a few of you in this church would know this. Um, and I, again, I don't talk about it much. I'm not looking for, well, if you want to give me another ah at the end of this, you can, but no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, but, but what happened was is, um, and I just want to go on record because some people uh, talk about, things like this, and you think, well, were you suicidal? And I, I never was, okay? But I sure understand that it's not a long leap from where I was to that, okay? I'm just being real with you. And I, and I have a lot more sympathy for people that are going through emotional hard times in their lives. And so what happened was is um, we went through a kind of an interesting season in the church. I was overworking. I was um, stressing out about a lot of things I shouldn't stress out about. There were some perceived, at least for my part, betrayal by some people uh, and different things. And don't read into that. You don't even know who I'm talking about right now, so don't. I, I just felt like somebody went off. I know who he's talking about. You don't. And so, but... Um, but there was just some things going on like that that were tough for me. And so I didn't think about ending my life. But I th this is what I thought about every single day of my life, almost all day long. And it was hard for me to focus on anything else. I, s I was thinking about, I've got to get out of here. Meaning, leave Wenatchee, leave Praise Center. 
I've got to go somewhere else. I've got to get into a different environment. It felt like it was killing me, okay? And I, I can't, you know, and I, I'm being more honest than I've been in a really long time about this, but I'm telling you, I was going through a really hard time with that. After 13 years of pastoring, I was ready to quit. I was ready to do anything else but this. And uh, looking back, I can see the problem. I can see some of the overload things. I can see where, you know, and you go, oh, I could have I headed that all off. But I didn't have that knowledge at the time that I was in the middle of it. So, and besides that, that was the time when the physical pain really was beginning to, to reach a peak and a crescendo in my life. And so all these things together were putting me in a place emotionally where I was a mess. And so um, graciously, and by the way, behind all that, I just want to say this and make sure you understand. Behind all that was the enemy who's always seeking to kill, steal, and destroy right? So he's just looking for opportunities, and he saw little footholds in my life. He saw opportunities to kind of jump in on the bandwagon. But um, through all of that, um, I, I knew that I had to do something before things got too bad. And so graciously, as I talked to the church council and to the leadership here, and we processed this, we began to explore the idea of me taking a sabbatical leave. And uh, thank God that there is such a thing, and thank God. And so we took, I took a 10-week period off, and Alex was here at this time, and Rhonda and these guys, Rhonda and Alex just absolutely did a fantastic job of keeping stuff together. But I just, I disconnected for 10 weeks, and I wrote a book. And it was, it was wonderful. It was monumental. It was so good. I reconnected with God in ways I hadn't in a long time. I reconnected in my prayer life. I reconnected in my walk with God. And all that junk just fell off and was gone. And I just thank God. And not everybody gets a chance to do what I did, but when you're in a bad place emotionally, you've got to figure out a way to find healing, all right? You've got to figure out. And again, don't let it define you or say who you are because it's not who you are, and God has healing for you in that place. But I just want to go on record as saying I would rather be in physical pain than emotional pain. So I understand when you're hurting, when you're suffering in your life through something you've been through, maybe way back in the past, maybe even recently, but I do understand it, and I'm sympathetic toward it. Well, there's all kinds of suffering in the world. I've mentioned physical pain. I've talked about emotional pain, but there's the suffering of being in uh, abject poverty. I think, you know, again, we had that kind of defined for us today, and rightfully so, that in America, we, we are not we don't get really qualified, right? To most part, there's are, there are some, but very, very few that are that poor. But we're talking about parts of the world where food, you know, that's what we took an offering for the Africans about because they're eating once every three days. That's, that's poverty. That's what I'm talking about. Or less. They're suffering because of what we believe. And, uh, and that's a lot of what our text was talking about today. They're suffering in marriage. Of course, Rhonda knows nothing of that. She usually amends me, but I don't know. Don't know what happened there. We suffer because of injustice. Uh, I don't know. If there's anything I hate as much as injustice. I think God. I got that from God, my Father. You know, He hates it. We suffer because of sin. Sin we've committed. Sins others have committed against us. We suffer. Uh, for no good reason at all other than we live in a fallen world and it's just garbage out there. We suffer because of poor choices that we make. And maybe it's not even sin, it's just a bad choice. Like running with your head down (laughs) through a McDonald's parking lot and they painted that bump all dark blue 
<laughs> poor choices. <laughs> but also because of poor choices others make. Even our elected officials, right? They make poor choices. The citizenry suffers at times. There's suffering for all kinds of things. And, and the, the topic again in our title today is, where is God in the midst of all this stuff? Where is he? Here's what I know is for certain. Are you ready? This is some stuff you can take to the bank. First of all, he is with us. He is with us. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, right? And they, they said, you know, we are not going to bow to your idols no matter what, even if our God doesn't deliver us. But sure enough, don't you know, when they were thrown into that fiery furnace and the king said, I see a fourth man walking around like the Son of Man. It is the Son of Man. It's the Son of God. That's who that was. Jesus Christ was in that fiery furnace with them. Praise God. He, and listen, listen, that was cool. That was neat that he showed up for them at that moment. But that's Old Testament. Can I tell you that God has said, and, and he, he has reiterated it in the New Testament, and Jesus said these words, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always to the end of the age. So no matter what fiery furnace you're going through, I'm telling you, Jesus is with you in that moment. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you. He's with you. Never leave us. It would be more possible for God to not exist than for Jesus to not be with us when we're in the midst of suffering. Because His Word declares it over and over again. He's with you. Here's another thing I know for sure. He is working in us through our suffering. He, he's, it's like He can take that terrible stuff that's going on. Romans 5 says that suffering, and you would have read this in your uh, materials that you went through, but suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which brings hope that won't put us to shame. So we, we have this progression that takes place when we understand, okay, I'm suffering, but there's just going to be this progression uphill from there that's going to bring about good things in my life. James 1 says, consider it all joy when you're going through these terrible things. Because what's going to happen is you're going to become mature and complete. See, so God's at work in the midst of our suffering. He's with us in our suffering, but he's at work also in the, through the suffering. And ultimately, I love this last point that you can take to the bank, is that he is working things out for good. He's, you know, he's ultimately thwarting the worst that Satan and his demons and wicked other people can throw at us. He is still going to take all the worst and flip it upside down and turn it out for good. And then ultimately, I know this as well, that a day is coming. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> There's a day that is coming that every single tiny little bit and large bit or whatever you've got in your life of suffering is going to be gone forever. When we're together with the Lord face to face, He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. Hallelujah. We'll stand before Him forever. It's going to be an amazing moment. Randy Alcorn, this quote, we'll put it up on the screen, writes this. He says, Our fates do not rest with people who file lawsuits against us or with unjust politicians, lawyers, teachers, coaches, military officers, or employers. They can do their worst against us. And God is fully capable of turning it around and using it for our best, no matter how much it hurts in the meantime. God will take it and work it out in Jesus' name. Now, I'm be, I want to be very careful. The rooted materials that we have are excellent. They speak, uh, I mean, I, I think they, they speak Scripture very well. Uh, it's not the Bible, but they are doing an excellent job of interpreting the Bible as we believe it and teach it here. But when it comes to this idea of suffering, I have to take a little bit of issue with a teaching that I see that kind of is sort of sneaky, and it invades the church and into our lives at times, and it just kind of jumps into a little bit here. And um, 
And here's why I have to talk about this, because I feel it runs the risk of separating us from God in a way that we would perceive God as other than his nature really is. And I, want to, I don't want that to happen, because I think two things happen out of that. First of all, we have a bad perception for, for, about God, and that means we won't go to him when we really need him. But secondly, because we end up with a bad perception of God, we're not as apt to help people in the world that don't even know him yet to, to bring them to Christ because we're, we're trying to say, well, you know, and, and we're trying to explain off stuff in our lives that doesn't make sense with God. Let me try to put this together for you. So, you know, again, I, I feel like I'm treading on a little bit of thin ice because I'm not against the stuff that on suffering, you know, 98% of it was great. There are just a couple little things in there I just want to bring to your attention. Now, as I do that, one of them has to do with a quote from C.S. Lewis that was in the materials. And I feel like I run the risk of offending the fourth member of the Trinity at this point because I really like C.S. Lewis a lot. I think he's one of the smartest men that's ever lived. I, I think his doctrine is absolutely right. And honestly, I don't even know for sure the context in which he said this statement. But I think it could lead to error if we are not careful. Look at this quote. C.S. Lewis says, Go to him, speaking of God, when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. That sounds good, doesn't it? And then he goes on, he says, And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. Now, he was writing this in a terrible time of grief in his life. He was writing this after the death of his wife. And, uh, and he was, um, it was, no doubt he was in a lot of pain, and I get that. But if he, and if he is saying that sometimes it seems that God is bolting doors, I could even live with that. But if what he's saying is, is that there's something about the nature of God, that he is on the other side of the door, and he is bolting that thing when we are suffering, I can't accept that, and I don't accept that. That, 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 that to me, or, or to even say that God is indifferent in some way to our pain and our suffering, is it doesn't work. I disagree wholeheartedly with that. God is not shutting us out. We already established the fact He is with us, right? This, this kind of teaching is incongruous. and there, I hear it not just in this, but I hear it other places sometimes in different corners of the church. It's not going to send anybody to hell, I don't think. I hope not. But, but it's something I think we, we, it's going to twist our minds about the nature of God. It's incongruous with the biblical description of God as good. God is good. It, it's not some kind of weird good. It's the kind of good you and I understand is good. We know when something good is happening to us. Right? Right? When my wife made dinner last night and set it before us on the table, and we had that Thai food that we all like in our family, that was good. And I knew what good was. I understand the difference between good and evil. But, but so, so it's not some kind of twisted kind of good, uh, well, this is good for you, eat it anyway kind of a thing. Right? No, it's as we understand good that God is good. It's okay. And, and we've got to understand that God is our Heavenly Father. He loves us. as his, He calls us his little children. And can you understand with me as I say this, that a dad who would leave a child, a young child, on the other side and bolt and double bolt a door, we would think of that man as a monster, wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Wouldn't we think that would be borderline abuse? No, church, hear me today. He is not on the other side of the door bolting it, trying to keep us out away from him. He is on the same side of the door. He's with us. Come on, he's on this side of the door. He is. He's on this side of the door. Praise God. And so, so, so we might say, you know, uh, if he's on our side of the door, then why am I still suffering? Right? That's a good question. That's a great question. And, 
And I don't know that I can give you a satisfactory answer, but the answer cannot be that he is not with us or that he doesn't care about us. That cannot be the answer. He's with us. He cares about us. Keep that in mind. David's psalms are filled with laments about trouble he's in or danger he's facing. But you know, he always goes back to one thing, and that's what we spent some extra time doing this morning. We're going to do some more in a bit. Worshiping God. Like, even in the worst of my calamities, you are still God. Like, where, when, I, when I need help, where do I lift my eyes to? I lift my eyes to the hills. That's where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord of hosts. Maker of heaven and earth. Man, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. See, over and over again, and I'll tell you that, if you want to get kind of in a good place and understand that God is with you, let's get become worshipers of God in all that we do. Worship the Lord. There's one other line in the materials I need to address real quickly. And... Um, it's just something they were writing out. And it's, uh, it says, Those whose prayers were answered favorably weren't more holy or spiritual or better liked by God than those who suffered. I say, so far, so good with that statement. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. It's just because someone's going through a hard time, don't think, well, oh, God's mad at them. No, 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 God isn't mad at them. That's not the way to look at this. But then they write a little further, and I may be reading too much. It might be semantics, forgive me if it is. But they continue and they say, So why did he choose to rescue some and allow hardship for others? Can we think about that sentence for just a moment? Can we just kind of let that sink in? Do you see my objection? Could we reword that sentence maybe? Do you think we could come up with a better way to say that? And, and in so doing, not paint our God as choosing? Right? Choosing? Uh, and I, So I don't know, you know, again, I don't say that I have all the answers, but I'm sure about the answers I do have about the nature of God. And his goodness. I like this better. Why do some experience rescue while others do not? That's a great question. We ought to talk more about that question. That's, let's just have a conversation about that. I'm okay with that. And I might even have some answers I would like to put forth. I don't have time to do that here. Uh, but if you want to talk to me about some of that, I might kind of work it through. I, I actually spent a little time with Abraham yesterday explaining this. Did that make sense? Like, what, we were talking about this very subject. And, it, and we kind of walked that through. But I, I'm not saying everything I have is, is like I have the perfect answer. No, it's just, it might still leave us with questions, but it might help a little bit. But all I'm saying is that, that I don't want to put God in the place of choosing harm for people. Right? Not his children, no. So, so I believe that this is very, again, I'm repeating what I said, but this is very important because our perception of God will dictate our expectations from Him as well as how unbelievers view God through us. You understand what I'm saying? And we want the unbelievers and those in the world to see that we serve a good, good Father who loves us and cares for us. And even though we go through hard times in life, and we all do, believe me, that God is with us and He'll help us through it. He'll help us in Jesus' name. Worship band, come on back up. Well, there's many unanswered questions, I know. I have a lot myself still, and I'm okay with that. Just over a year ago, most of you would know this, my best friend in the world. We've been friends since we were 15 years old. Uh, his name's David McCallister. He died of a difficult disease. It was sort of like ALS, but instead of starting in his lower extremities and working up, it, it started in his hands and his arms. He lost use of his arms and hands over a period of several years, probably about eight or ten years. Uh, it got worse and worse. The last two, I think, maybe years of his life, he couldn't even feed himself. He couldn't use his arms at all. They hung limply at his side as I looked at him and I said, oh, brother, 
I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he would look at me, and I would tell him about the pain I was in, and, and we would talk about trading places with each other. Like, well, I'd rather have what you have. And he'd say, I'd rather have what you know. It was like kind of a commiserating back and forth. But we went on and on about this. And um, anyway, this, this disease, we, it, it continued in his body. We all believe for healing in this life. We all ask God to heal him and help him. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't. But and, and one thing I said at his memorial service, I said, we've, we've all seen God move mountains, or we know that God moves mountains, but not every mountain is moved. Is that right? Yeah. So, so God moves mountains, but not every mountain is moved. And that was a mountain that needed to be moved, and I hoped it would be moved, but it didn't get moved. I'm not blaming God, though. You understand? See, it's not God. And these things I know for sure about my friend. David would never have wanted anyone to come away thinking God had failed him. Mm -mm. No, he didn't. And David would never want anybody to become discouraged in their faith because he stood strong in his faith to the very end. And David wouldn't want anyone to ever give up because he didn't give up. Till his, till his very end, he was on fire, faithful, continued to preach as much as he could. I mean, it was amazing. He was losing his voice. He, wasn't having, he had a difficulty, ability to breathe. It was such a sad and awful disease. In October, three months before he died, I sat with him alone in his living room, and, and I reminded him of the text that we just read today. I want to read it again, picking it up in verse 33 this time. Who through faith conquered kingdoms? administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And I hear that and I think, man, I just want to live in Hebrews 13, 33 through 35a. But right in the middle of the verse, we have to keep reading again. Others were tortured and refused to be released. So they may gain a better resurrection. Excuse me. Some faced years in flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned and they were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. The other shoe has now fallen, hasn't it? But then we read in verse 39, and, and this is the point I brought out to my friend as we sat there both of us with tears in our eyes. It says this, it says, these were all, not the first group only, but both groups, these were all commended for their faith. These were all commended for their faith. Whatever you're going through, if you keep their eyes on the Lord, God is commending you for your faith. It doesn't mean that the people who see that great deliverance, oh, I was healed in Jesus' name and my pain went away and, and that, well, God must really love that person more. They must really be a person of faith. Hey, I had pain till the day I died and, and so you must not be a person of faith. That is erroneous, evil teaching. It needs to be challenged in our hearts and minds. They were all commended for their faith. Those who experienced the miracle and the victory, those who saw the mountain moved, and those who prayed for the mountain to be moved, and didn't see it. Don't miss this. And we keep reading though. This is, this is where it gets even better. <laughs> if it could get better, it's going to get better. Chapter 12. See, there weren't chapter and verses when these things were written. And so don't, don't pause at the end of thir uh, chapter 11 and think, well, it's a brand new subject. No, 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 no. 
In fact, the next word, therefore, in Bible college, he told me, if you see a therefore, look and see what it's there for. It always is referring to something that was just being said. And says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who were delivered and those who weren't. Those who experienced the joy of their salvation and the joy of life and those who suffered terribly. Since we're surrounded by that whole cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, this. now it's talking to us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because He's the perfecter, or the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, here we go, here we go, here's where it starts to get real. He endured the cross Scorning his shame. Do you understand? Jesus suffered. He suffered terribly. He suffered in ways we can't even imagine. Horrible, horrible suffering. But why did he do that? Go back and look again for the joy that was set before him. You've probably heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Just point to yourself. Point to yourself right now. Come on. Don't, don't just sit there. Point to yourself. That's the person that brought Jesus so much joy. He would go through anything and suffer in the way he suffered. Right there, the person that's being pointed to right now. He would do it for just any one of you. Thank God it's not just one of us, but, but he would have done it for anyone. And he sat down at the right hand of God. So catch this. Even Jesus, who stopped the suffering of others, had to go through suffering for you and me. Right? And if you're getting worn out by the things you're suffering, hey, I get it. If you're feeling overwhelmed by your circumstances, I, I, and I mean this with my heart, I am so sorry for you. And if I could do it, and by the way, as a church, we can sometimes help with suffering, can't we? Oh, yeah, we should be. We should be. But the answer is to focus on Jesus. To, it says to fix our eyes on Him, to look at Jesus. And then verse 3. Consider Him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there comes this moment where we look at what Jesus went through and we think, okay, I'm going to consider what he went through and that's going to help me to not grow weary and to not lose heart. I'm going to be able to say, okay, I'm going to stay on course because of what Jesus went through. So don't grow weary, don't lose heart. Your redemption is coming, amen? Hopefully soon, hopefully real soon, hopefully in this life, but if not, for sure in the life to come. We all have that to look forward to, for sure. And no matter how much you're hurting, like that homeless lady at McDonald's, right? I don't know what she was going through, but if we'll keep our eyes open, we can always find somebody who's hurting more than we are and show some love and show some concern in their lives. Can't we? Come on. Because you might just find your healing in that moment when you stop focusing on yourself, but you fix your eyes on Jesus and you focus your eyes on the things that are outside of you, other people who are hurting and you just say, okay, I'm going to step up and do something about it. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.